building entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Exciting episode of Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, and along with me, as always, is my co-host, the compulsive Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? This is great, Jack, because I, I didn't know that we were still doing the Fire and Water Podcast. <laughs> yeah, I figured we ought to do this is a this show kind of goes to the core of who we are, this particular episode. So I thought this would be good for the flagship show. I thought that seemed appropriate. And it's so interesting that we're not doing it alone, folks. We have a couple of guests with us here to talk about a really interesting topic. And we'll we'll go to the we'll get to the topic in a moment. But first let me introduce our guests. First up we have Michael Bailey, podcasting's own Michael. Bailey from the Fortress of Bailey Tude Network. How you doing, Mike? I am fantastic. I'm very glad to be here. Awesome. We also have the newly minted podcast producer himself, Tim Price, from the Right On Network and the Outcasters, all about Batman and the Outsiders. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. With, with your crazy podcast thing. I don't know what the heck you guys do. I don't know anymore. <laughs> I think you're starting to learn the burden of editing, which is the bane of all podcasters. Ah, that would explain the twitching. Yes. Yes, it would. Well, um, Rob, do you want to explain the topic? Do you want me to explain the topic? What are you thinking, everybody? This was inspired by a suggestion over on Patreon, uh, and the the topic was the, the who was it that asked about this? Shag, who, who which one of it, which one of the our generous Patreon supporters asked for this? Is one of our longtime supporters, Philip Rutledge, came to us oh, with right. this idea for this episode? Absolutely. Yeah, he wanted he wanted to know and wanted to hear a show about collecting the aspect of collecting comics, which is not something we've generally ever talked about, even after. What nine years of doing this show together? <laughs> right, <laughs> we got into this, and we thought that was kind of an interesting idea. And uh, so we're going to kind of go through different uh, ide- different iterations of the whole notion of collecting. And since, as as everyone knows, Shag and I can't stand each other, we had to have uh, Mike and Tim on to sort of you know spread the, spread the love out a little bit because we just can't do shows just alone together anymore. I've actually paid Tim a retainer uh, to act as my uh, representation throughout this whole process. <laughs> yeah, I um. 
I'll have to have a word with you about that later. My lawyer had some questions. Oh, okay. I was specifically paying for a Mephisto, but whatever. Um, but before we get Oh, into- well, that's no problem. <laughs> but before He's we get- ready to roll. <laughs> Settle down there, boy. Settle down. I got a job to do here. I got to pay the bills, folks, because we need to thank our sponsors before we get too much further. This episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. So first, I'm going to go to Michael Bailey. Michael Podcasting's Michael Bailey. Did you bring an InStockTrades pick? Superman Exile and Other Stories Omnibus Hardcover was my pick. (laughs) The late 1980s stories that set the stage for the epic death of Superman are collected in a new hardcover omnibus edition for the first time. These tales include appearances by Lex Luthor, Lois Lane, Mongol, Mr. Mixes, Pidilic, and more, plus the debut of The Eradicator, a key player in the post-Death of Superman era. I don't know why they wrote that. He was a key player in the Death of Superman era. Collects The Adventures of Superman number 445 to 460 superman 23 to 37 action comics number 643 to 646 and action comics annual number two normal price is 125 dollars, but after the 42 percent in stock trades uh, discount it's 72.50 and suck it shag <laughs> just so you folks know at home i didn't tell mike in advance there was going to be an in stock trades moment all so that i could get to the point where he didn't have one and i could just say suck it bailey so there we go Ah, Tim, you're off the hook. Don't worry. Rob, what you got, buddy? Uh, I didn't know that we could end the in-stock trades recommendations with suck at shag, so I'm going to do that for every episode going <laughs> forward. Thank you, Michael. Um, since All right, since we're talking about collecting, uh, I decided to pick a book, uh, the book that really turned me from a reader to a collector, and that is, of course, the original Justice League of America comic. Uh, this trade is Justice League of America, Last Survivors of Earth. It reprints JLA numbers uh, 77 through 84, 86 through 92, 94, and 95 by Denny O'Neill, who, again, did not know Aquaman was on the team, Robert Kaniger, <laughs> uh, some other writers. The artist is, of course, Dick Dillon. The cover is by Neil Adams. And, man, the trade dress on this thing is bonkers, and I am here for it. I just love it. 416 pages, normal price $39.99. In stock trade price, $23.19. You save 42% off. JLA, Last Survivors of Earth, really looks like a super fun collection. Awesome. Uh, well, my pick is Star Trek and Newspaper Strips Hardcover Volume 1. Now, this collects the newspaper strip that ran in, in your local papers uh, from the 1970s to early 80s, all featuring Star Trek. It took place after the motion picture and before Rathacon. Specifically, uh, December 1979 through October 1981 in this first collection. Published by IDW. It's 264 pages. It's what they call partial color because your daily strips are in black and white, but your Sundays are in color. And uh, some some various creative folks involved in this. But uh, I picked this, and we'll get to it later, but I picked it for a very specific reason about collecting. So it normally retails for $49.99, but you can get it for 30% off right now on in-stock trade. So you can get it for $34.99. Heck of a deal. And these are kind of a lost corner of Star Trek comics. I mean, other than these collections, I don't think they've been reprinted anywhere. And, you know, you may have read the DC comics, you may have read the Marvel comics, but here's a whole corner of Star Trek comics you may have never seen. And I'm having a blast with it myself right now. So, again, Tim, you're off the hook this time. Uh, suck it, I, I don't have to be off the hook. I don't, I don't have to be off the hook. All right, let's see what I, you got, buddy. I, went, I think 
I'm, I think you'll all be very surprised that I found Batman and the Outsiders hardcover volume one. <laughs> You're staying and, on brand. Well done. That's right. In these tales from the 1980s, Batman splits off from the Justice League of America because uh, they're a bunch of uh, hosers or something. I forget what the, I forget what the phrase was uh, to form his own <laughs> super team known as the Outsiders, including established heroes Black Lightning and Metamorpho, as well as the dynamic new heroes Katana, Geoforce and Halo. Combining superhero action with espionage, the Outsiders brought their own brand of justice to Geoforce's nation of Markovia, Katana's homeland of Japan, and across the globe. This title collects Brave and the Bold number 200, their first appearance, New Teen Titans number 37, and Batman and the Outsiders numbers 1 through 12. Uh, this normally retails at $49.99, but your in-stock trade price is $28.99. You save a whopping 42%, so go buy it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for bringing that, Tim. At least one of the guests did. Suck it, Bailey. So, folks, for these and all your collected needs, please visit go, uh, go out and visit InStockTrades.com. Now, we also need to take a second to thank our sponsors. Folks, running the Firewater Podcast Network with so many shows uh, with all kinds of hosting expenses, which have grown incredibly over the last couple of years, given the number of shows and files we have out there. Uh, these these Costs grew beyond our ability to pay it. So we reached out to you guys at home and said, hey, can you help us out? And started the Patreon about a year ago, and you guys really stepped up to the plate, and we sincerely appreciate it. If it weren't for you guys with the Patreon, we would not be on the air literally right now. So, uh, And if you're enjoying the network, uh, if you'd like to try and consider supporting us, you can do that by visiting our website uh, or the Patreon is patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and you can consider supporting the Fire and Water Podcast Network there. And at certain sponsorship tiers, you get mentioned on your favorite Fire and Water shows, just like these folks. Adam Ackerman, Jay Campbell, Kevin Culp, David S. Gutierrez, Robert Lewis, Jason Pope, and Gord Tolden. And as we said, a very, very special thanks to our patron, Philip Rutledge, for suggesting the idea behind this episode. So again, go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. With all that out of the way, we are going to get into it, folks. We're going to talk about collecting the actual um, I guess the act of collecting as a hobby and what our own personal collections are like. So we're going to go through several different topics that uh, Philip suggested, a couple I've thrown in there as well. We're going to do kind of a round-robin approach. We're going to start off with um, Rob. We're going to start with you. i got three questions for you. When did you start collecting versus reading? Do you still have your first comics, either from when you were reading or collecting days? And where do you fall in the spectrum of reader? Do you, are you a reader, a collector, a hoarder? And has that changed over time? All right. Uh, well, I started reading com- – I've had comics al- around before I could even remember consciously having them. You know, They were just always around. Uh, and then I was pretty much just a reader up until I would say 1979 or 80 when I first uh, went to my – the very first um, dedicated comic book store when we moved to New Jersey. And I went to El Dorado Comics, which was the, the first true devoted comic book store that I'd ever been to. And that named was for the, named for the super friends character. I'm n- sure. Named for the super friends character. Uh, <laughs> and it was the, it was the, it, it showed up at various times. Nobody knew where, where it was at any given point. Uh, with the part of this <laughs> and, um, that was really the, the first time I had access to older comics, back issues. And that, and, and I had access to like a price guide. And that was really the beginning of it was like, Oh, I could get comics in the forties and the fifties and the sixties. So that was the start of it was just once I had the access. Yeah. I went from reader to collector at that point. That was, that was, that was the start of it. And so do I still have my first comic books? I mean, sadly, no. Uh, all those ones I had from the seventies have all gone. Now I have managed to hold on to ones. From the very early 80s, I still have all my JLAs that I bought off the newsstand in, like, 
81, 82, and I still have a lot of my mountain comics. So those are the beloved ones. Those are those ones I, I still have from decades later. Um, but for the gen- generally, no, most of the books that I, I had as a kid have, have just been my, my parents, unlike a lot of kids that I heard, like my parents never um, disabused me of the notion of like reading comics. They liked that I was reading. So they never threw them out. I didn't have to deal with that. I know Ange, like all of his collection was thrown out by his mom at some point. Uh, but I mean, I never had to deal with any of that. I was lucky, but no, they just, I think they just got beat up and, and uh, just faded over time. And then as of now, where do I fall in the spectrum? I mean, I'm really not, I don't think I'm any of those things. I'm certainly not a hoarder. Uh, I'm an occasional reader. I wouldn't say I'm a collector anymore. I just, at a certain point, I lost the bug of it. And we'll get into uh, later on as as we go on where the tipping point was. Because at one point, my collection of comics was over 15,000. And it just got too big and I had to get rid of them all. And that was really the beginning of just changing my whole tone of uh, like, I I think I'm just like a casual reader at this point. It was millennium. I know it. I know it. We'll, we'll find out soon. All right, Mr. Bailey, uh, why don't you tell us your version of these same questions? Um, Okay. So I started reading comics around 1984, 1985, though uh, maybe like a year or two earlier than that with the, Superman from the 30s to the 70s and Batman from the 30s to the 70s collections that the school library uh, in Mountaintop had. And, and it, was a, it was a Tuesday. Mike had blueberry pancakes for breakfast that day. Uh, I hardly ever ate breakfast, but <laughs> you, it might have been a Tuesday. You're almost right. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I hate you. <laughs> well, I was going to try to keep this short. You're the one poking oh, okay. the bear. Please do. Please do. <laughs> uh, so, but I started like picking up like the random comics here and there. There was the the spinner rack at the Triangle Pharmacy that, and the farmer's market had a, uh, a comic section as well. And for Christmas of 1985, uh, Santa, AKA my mom got me a pack of Marvel comics that Sears used to offer. Uh, in their wish book. And it was about two months of Marvel. I used to have it uh, like memorized which months it was. Cause I looked it up on Mike's amazing world. And a lot of them were secret wars two crossovers. Woo-hoo. Uh, but, uh, and I read like most of those. I mean, there were some that I just didn't care about. Uh, I was, I was convinced by the way, for about a good five years that Nick Fury was an evil version of Reed Richards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um anyways so it was really around 87 that i started buying the superman books full-time that it became uh, a thing so i went from like casual reader to reader with a focus and that evolved into reader collector and that evolved into reader collector hoarder um <laughs> And last year, uh, actually over a couple of years, but last year was the last push, or so I thought, uh, of really divesting myself of this giant collection that I had because I was buying books from 50 cent bins just because I could. I mean, I had like eighteen to 19,000 comics, uh, like 90 or so short boxes full, plus some stuff scattered, plus all the trades. And I was just like, my God, I have a problem. And I I also started doing the math on it of how many years I have left on earth, how many comics I have. And boy, did those numbers not line up. 
So, so I was just like, I have to read 87 comics a day. (laughs) So I was like, you know, the ones that I haven't read, I'm probably never going to read. The ones I have read, I can let those go. And it really went from, I'm just going to get rid of the Marvel and the image books. Okay, I'll get rid of some of the DC books, but okay, I'll get the okay. I'll start selling off the Flash and Green Lantern, but I'm never getting rid of the Bat. No, I'm getting rid of the Batman. Uh, and just recently, I pulled a bunch of my Superman books uh, from the pre-Crisis era and the New Fifty Two, and I'm about to set up to sell those. And since we're about to move into a smaller house, even the comics I've kept, I'm going to take another look at and get rid of because I have really turned into a reader. Uh, it, it's, it's like this weird, like, like sunrise, sunset, you know, everything comes in a circle type thing where I started as just a kid that loved to read. I would read like if the cover looked cool and I had the 75 cents, I'd buy it. And then it became, oh, I've got to read this because I'm collecting it. And then it became, I'm going to buy this, but I can't read it right now because I got to re- I got to get the rest of the series. <laughs> I have a problem. So, um, do I still have some of my first books from my reading or collecting days? Reading days, sadly, no. Uh, I almost didn't want to admit that because Rob uh, is pretty hardcore about keeping your 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 early books uh, on some of the other episodes you've all done. Uh, the very, the first two Superman books I have, I will admit when I was about 15, I bought new copies, uh, and made like poster art out of the ones that I had originally bought. Uh, I want to go back and slap a 15 year old, but, (laughs) but a lot of like those early Superman books, I still have the original ones I bought in like 1987, 1988, 1989. Um, I bought new copies of them just to have nicer copies because uh, they did get read a lot. Uh, But I kept them because I was just like, you know, these, especially the ones from the in-stock trade ad I did, because those were what turned me into a collector. Those were Mm. the ones where I shifted. Um, So, yeah, I, I fall on the spectrum. I was a reader, then I was a reader collector, then I was definitely a hoarder. Uh, I, I swear to God, I expected one day to show up, you all at my house and shag to stand up with a piece of paper going, Mike, I'm really bad at expressing my feelings, but I had to write this down. You're hurting yourself and everybody else in your life. Uh, and, and I, and I, and what I have found is by getting rid of the books and stopping for the second and probably permanent time collecting the Superman titles. God, I have so much more free time and God, I feel so much better about myself. Uh, there's a, there's you guys familiar with our valued customers that, uh, that oh, yeah. Strip? oh yeah. We had a great one where it said, you know, I really, I, I used to think that getting rid of comics would be like cutting off a finger. And then I'm like, why do I need 22,000 fingers? And, <laughs> and that's really how I feel now. Awesome. Uh, that was uh, very enlightening. Uh, I think we all learned a little bit about Michael Bailey there. Uh, so for me, when did I start collecting or versus reading? Uh, reading, I, I don't remember specifically. The earliest memories of reading comics is the late 70s, uh, so when I was probably about seven or eight years old. And specifically, the issues are Justice League of America number 171, Rob, which is the what? 
That's the uh, wait. Which which issue did you One, say? One seventy one. One seventy one. Uh, we've talked about it before. I thought you'd be on it. Death of Mister Terrific. It was the first Justice League oh, comic I right. ever read. Okay, that's right. And uh, that was a real eye opener for me because the JSA's in and everything. I learned about Earth Two and how there's no Aquaman on Earth Two and things like that. Uh, so that was nineteen seventy nine. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Then uh, also Fantastic Four two fourteen in nineteen eighty. Anyway, I, I mentioned these two specifically because they were gifts from my sister, uh, which was really special to me that she gave me those. So that, that was my reading days uh, as a collector. I know. Exactly which comic it was. It was Secret Wars, Volume One, uh, Issue Number Two, in May, uh, March, around March of 1984 is when I would have bought it. I don't need to retell the story here. I've told it on just every podcast I've ever had a chance to tell it on. The short version is I got bullied. Uh, at school into reading comics. Nerds actually bullied me into reading comic books, so I picked up Secret Wars number two. Where did you you're go w- to school? You're welcome. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture like, like poor kids pushing Shag in a circle, and it's just like, you yeah, gotta you read Secret read Wars comics. two. You gotta read Secret Wars two. You gotta read Secret Wars two. Well, no, it was Secret Wars issue no, number Secret two. Secret Wars T-O-O. Oh, uh, oh, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it was, uh, I Let's was, all take off our glasses and push Shag around. Well, it was the, it was the quote-unquote... Wait, 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 I gotta take my inhaler first. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, these are the people. I mean, you're not wrong. It was the gifted class. Uh, we were, you know, and uh, I did not know who Galactus was. I did not know who Ultron was. And I was mocked openly for that. So I, uh, I, I went to the store and had to get this comic to, to figure it out. And I started collecting in Secret Wars issue number two, and I never stopped. So, uh, well, actually, Wait, you said it was the you said it was the advanced class. Uh, gifted is what they called the it. Gifted, yeah. Were you like the control in that group? Was yes, that I, I was the I was exactly right. I was the dumbass in the gifted class. That is exactly correct. Okay, yeah. Did, all right. did, 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 did anybody get the license plate on the bus? Shag uh, Rob just shoved shag under. He's not wrong though. He's not wrong. <laughs> so that's when I started collecting, uh, and I kept going from there. Then, uh, as far as where I fall on the spectrum nowadays, uh, originally I would say I probably was. A collector, not for value, but just because I wanted to own them all. Uh, and now, I, 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 what do you call a hoarder who has a bunch of these damn things that they don't want anymore? Is that still a hoarder, or is that, yes. that just a, okay? So yes, I guess I'm there. Still a hoarder. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm primarily now just a reader because uh, I, I could care less about the comics, and we'll get into more of that de- uh, the physical comics at all. Uh, we'll talk about that later. I'm primarily a reader now. So, uh, Mr. Price, let's hear from you, buddy. All right. Well, you've all taken my answers, so we're done. Perfect. Oh. Done. <laughs> no, it's like, well, I I have always been a reader, and I still am a reader, even to this today. Uh, so I don't really think that's changed, but I've moved along the spectrum, as you put up there, uh, in various points. I mean, I started reading comics when I was, like, first or second grade, So, and y'all make me feel so, feel so old because that was actually, like, the early 70s, so thanks for that. <laughs> um, but it's like I, I've told this story before about the neighbor who had a whole bunch of dumpster dive comic books that he'd gotten from the dime store where, like, the top third of the cover was taken off to the dime store to get the refund for the comic. Uh, so the cover was, you know, was missing the title part. And so they weren't worth anything, but they're still perfectly readable. And he just gave them to us, and my parents were probably like cursing him for decades afterwards. Um, but I just, I just tore through those books. There were like a couple thousand of them, and I oh just gosh. read every single one of them. Now there was like almost no superhero books in this 
collection, but tons of Archie's and, you know, Casper, Tom and Jerry or the properties like that. And then occasional gems like an issue of Magnus Robot Fighter and Turok and Son of Stone and just like crazy things that I still remember to this day. Now, now, sadly, uh, no, I'd have almost none of them now because they all got lost in the flood of 1981. And I don't want to talk about that because I'll cry. But <laughs> My parents also did things like they would get us a couple of treasuries um, for road trips because we drive, you know, from Illinois to Virginia to visit family and back, or like the three pack Whitmans. So I'd read other comics that way and get to introduce to the superheroes more that way. So awesome stuff there. Um, but then it's like I really started being more of a. I, I guess it's just short of a collector, but more just when I was starting to buy my own comic books was more like in junior high and high school when I was you know, mowing lawns and starting to make money. So I'm still talking like 1980, shut up. And <laughs> the, uh, and I also got my subscription for the very first time for Avengers and amazing Spider-Man in the mail. And, you know, I still buy those to this day. Uh, wow. So yeah, but starting close to issue 200 of Avengers. And so it's like, oh, great stuff there. Um, and the, those early 200s of Spider-Man, uh, which eventually led to Roger Stern and that, you know, that, that led to other great things along the way as well. Um, but then starting to go out and buy my own comic books. Uh, but then just before college, um, actually my mother, this my, I, I'll just say it to get away. My dad passed away in 1983. We talked about that before. Moving on. Uh, my mother, thank you. My mom drove us, me down to visit the college I was going to be staying in and we uh, going to, and we, stopped in Richmond, Virginia on the way back. And on the way back, uh, we, um, I wanted to go check out this comic shop that I'd seen advertised in the books all the time called Dave's Comics. You might remember them if you've seen the ads back in the 80s and 90s. They often had like a banner with a lightning bolt through a circle and everything. Mm -hmm. And I was in hog heaven. <laughs> I must have walked out with a hundred dollars worth of comic books and I don't, and my mother paid for them. So, you know, I love her. And <laughs> that was where I got like, Oh, I got Batman, the dark Knight issue one that day. Wow. And like, and, uh, I, and, you know, just to, just to show craziness of the spectrum there, you know, West Coast Avengers number one, the ongoing, also was in that same time, and the Vision Scarlet Witch miniseries at the same time, um, and so there was some great stuff that I just got on that trip. Which I and looking through just the boxes of old books there, it's like oh, I I, I couldn't even begin to look at that. I was just too much in, enraptured by the new books that I could find, as opposed to going to uh, the drugstore and seeing whatever the the spinner rack happened to have. And so that gave me, I got a mail order subscription from Jay from, sorry, from Dave's while I was at college. And then I also was starting to really buy back issues and become more of a collector. I try to fill in things that I might've missed. Um, also to help me with my horrible addiction, uh, one of my neighbor roommates at college, he was also a collector and was actually trying to, get himself ready to open a comic book shop of his own. So he was actually going and like dealing. He was go and, and it really, it does work both ways. Doesn't it dealing right? <laughs> <laughs> Where my mind went. <laughs> exactly. And he'd go to sh 
to shows and buy things from people, sell things to some people, and he was having his own things. And so it's like, yeah, he sold me quite a few things that got me hooked onto more things. I actually got some issues of Brave and the Bold back then. And this was, you know, 1985, 1987. You know, there was, it was, you know, no more new issues of Brave and the Bold anymore, but I was getting issued like, a. You know, uh, 113 with the metal men, a couple of them that had Mr. Miracle. Uh, so it's just, just, uh, really feeding my addiction, but that was okay because I was also in a way I was helping him get ready for being able to launch his own comic book shop, which he did do. And he does still have open today. And actually I have my mail order comics from him now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And he's, uh, I'm going to plug him. It's comic cubicle in Williamsburg, Virginia. Go by and tell Mark I said, hi. Um, so he's, uh, and I also, I'd like, I'm doing it now to support him. But, you know, so as the years went on, it's like, yes, I was buying things and buying things and, and, and trying to fill in gaps in, in collections. Um, and it, it's like the similar story some of you have said already is that by about 2010, my daughters were five years old and I was looking at the 70 plus long boxes of comics that I had in one room of my house. Uh, at about 300 comics per box or 250 comics per box. You know, I, that's, that's how much I do the math on that. It, it was like, okay, it, this is, it's time. So I've actually started going to, sh- I went to uh, some local shows and was selling books there. I actually like that better than trying to sell them online. I'm no good at that. Um, but I've just gone to some things. I've gone to like a, a small local show the last few years, which is run by a community college and they'll have it around Halloween. So sadly, we're not having it this year. Um, but I've gone there like every year for the last six years they've done that. And it's great because kids show up, they're encouraged to show up from, uh, the library and stuff in their Halloween costumes for the show. And I'll just hand out candy as well as sign my comic books there. So I've gotten it down to 30 something boxes, but only 10 of them are in my for sale section. Uh, so I definitely felt like I was getting to be a hoarder at my peak. Um, but I've always been a reader and I'm definitely continue to be a reader because that's one thing I'd, I, I makes my, brain kind of go burr, 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 is when you guys say that you bought books that you haven't read. I can't fathom that <laughs> <laughs> when it comes in the house, I have to read it. I, that, that, there's no, no book in my collection has been unread. Now they've only been read maybe once or twice, but the, every single one of them has been read. And that's kind of part of why I had to let some of a lot of them go. Also is the, you know, is the hard call the like for, for writers when they say you have to kill your, 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 your favorites, you know, uh, you have to get to make the hard call sometimes. So, well, I really, Oh, I love this one so much. I, no, am I really going to read it again? I don't know. I don't think if I don't know, then it has to go. So it's a hard, hard, hard thing to, to do, but it's, uh, it's made the best for me in the long run. I, I just want to point out to Tim that the uh, difference between uh, collector and borderline personality disorder is but a step. <laughs> yes. And that is where the having books that you haven't read yet uh, comes in. Yes. And I, I guess I, well, but is it also that the personality disorder that I fanatically cannot let the thing come in my house without reading it? I don't know. I'm crazy. No, <laughs> I'm know, crazy. You know? <laughs> I, I was just too wrapped up in envisioning a little kid in a Halloween costume running up and going, Mommy, Mommy, that really tall, skinny, pasty, bald guy gave me some candy and a cherry Pop-Tart comic. And uh, I was just thinking that's all gone horribly wrong. But anyway, 
give them the cherry pop. <laughs> he still has to pay his dollar. I mean, come on. <laughs> Just like everybody else. Figure that one was 69 cents. But anyway, so let's keep going. Uh, we're on. Oh. To, I, I, I should say, I, I messed up my own agenda. I did forget to say when I did mine, do I still have my first comics? Uh, the answer is yes. I still have the first comics from my collecting. Uh, and I have those ones I mentioned my sister gave me. I do not have, sadly, the reader ones from when I was younger, like my beloved Sad Sacks that I read as a kid. I don't have those anymore. But I've been rebuilding the collection through uh, uh, finding them in deep cheapens and also uh, some very generous fans of the show who have given me some Sad Sack comics. Like, for example, Mr. Rob Kelly recently gave me an amazing collection, an army-printed version of Sad Sack strips that were distributed to military folks. Thank you so much for that, Rob. I'm not really a fan of the show, but other than that, I agree with what you just said. <laughs> well, also, Professor Allen sends me sad side comics whenever he finds it. That's who I was going for on that side of it. But <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get into round two here, folks. Uh, we're going to, here's, here's your questions. How many comics do you have? Uh, and if you need to, you could say we're at your peak. I think you guys may have already said it, but, uh, do you maintain a database and a want list? Do you bag and board everything or just throw them in a box? Do you sell or trade your books? Uh, do you worry about the condition of the books? And what is your filing strategy? Uh, are you strictly alphabetical by company, character, etc.? You know, does Amazing Spider-Man fall under A, under S, things like that? So we're going to start with uh, podcasting's own Michael Bailey. So uh, how many comics uh, at my peak? Like I said, I probably had nineteen to twenty thousand. Uh, now uh, I'm just having to do a little bit of math here, so I've got to take the shoes off uh, <laughs> and all that. I probably have about 40 times 50. I probably have about 6,000 at the moment. Uh, and I'm about to pare down that even more, uh, because I don't, I don't feel the need to be defined by a giant comic book collection anymore. And as a Superman fan, I don't feel the need to be defined by owning 40 years or more of the characters, comic book adventures, which I did at one point. Um, I, to be clear, you're not getting rid of primal force though, right? Uh, that's gone. Um, yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, do I maintain a database or want list? Yes. And yes, I am actually fixing my database for my Superman books, but that's going to get into uh, another question in this section. Uh, and I do have a want list of, but they're, it's very specific and targeted to the series that I'm going to keep. So it's not a massive multi-page like encyclopedia Britannica volume that it used to be. <laughs> um, do I bag and board everything? And this is why uh, I know some people are like, don't bag them. I'm like, okay, I'll just, ba- I'll just bag them. And then when I was selling my uh, Batman books, the third part of Batman year one had gotten under a bunch of books. So the book was bent in half essentially. Mm. And I went, you know, if I had these bag and boarded, this wouldn't have been a problem. How you feeling now, hot shot? That lot, <laughs> by the way, literally sold for the buy it now. I put it on eBay during my lunch break, and as I was walking back out on the floor, I got the ding that it had sold. So that that <laughs> those books went quick. Uh, so I do. I am. Uh, ba- I have all of my main Superman books right now, bagged and boarded. I'm working on the miniseries and such. Uh, do I sell and trade my books? Um, I haven't traded in a long time, but I do sell them, as I, as I said. Uh, do I worry about condition? Yes, but I'm not fanatical about it. Uh, it really depends on the age of the book. Like, I will take a uh, WTS 
which stands for whipped shit, uh, copy of like, if someone like handed me a W2ETS copy of like action comics, number 252, I take it. Who cares? It's the first appearance of Supergirl, right? You know, you're, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna get that one, but I like them to be in good condition because I do like to read them and I don't want them falling apart in my hands. But if I just want to read the story, I don't really care. Uh, my filing strategy is strategy. I can, I can strategy. Strategy. Strategy uh, is insane. Um, and, 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 and Alan and M start taking notes because it was going to write, write into your show anyways, but now you can just listen to this and, and learn. Um, my Superman books right now are chronological by release date. So, so all it of my really goes like adventure comics. I'm sorry, adventures of Superman, action comics, Superman, Man of Steel, mm-hmm. adventure. Yep. Okay, wow. All yeah, right. uh, it got a little more complicated after the Triangle era ended. Uh, I had to look at release dates at that point. Right, but well, that for is the Triangle how... era that makes a ton of sense actually. Yes, yeah, it that, does. That, so I, I have no problem with you doing it during the Triangle era. Be- uh, outside of that, I, I don't know. I, I understand, <laughs> but. There's a reason why I do that. One for the post-crisis books, it's just convenience uh, because I'm covering them on a show. Now I don't have to sort through five boxes to get the books I'm reading. Hmm. Uh, I just have the one box and I can just grab it. And the the post-infinite crisis, damn you, TC, for making so many labels necessary. Um, <laughs> those are in a particular reading order as well, and I. I I kind of have it by trade paperback order uh, for the rebirth stuff that I kept. And then after that, it's just a weird, like all of the mini series and specials are in alphabetical order. Uh, all of the family books are in alphabetical order. So steel, Superboy, Supergirl, uh, and so on and so on. And my Marvel and DC books that I've kept are in alphabetical order. Uh and that's yeah, that's it. That was the last question. So I, I, I'm crazy. I, every time Mike said this one's weird, I kept expecting him to say I alphabetize by the letterer's last name. No, but but, here, like but but here's the thing. Everyone here, I assume, has seen the movie High Fidelity. Oh yes, yes. Okay, so High Fidelity is one of those movies that collectors of anything can understand, but I think in particular, comic book collectors can really relate to what's going on in there. And uh, I did. Uh, shock and horrify a friend of mine back in around 2001 when I told him that I probably could file my Superman books by memory, by uh, corresponding event in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it. I believe it. He's like, no, you can't. We were at a comic shop. I went, I went and I started picking books out. Yes. Shag, you believe it. Of course you do. I'm like, and I bought this then. And I bought this then. And he looked at me like I was insane. I, uh, I I only saw High Fidelity for the first time within the last couple of years. I, I missed it in the 90s. But, oh, my gosh, as someone who worked in a comic book store in the 90s, it's not just about him, the way he does his collection. That whole movie is about, as you said, collector, but working in a comic store in the 90s, it is unbelievable, uncanny how much it's like that. So, well, so the question, Mike, is that for, for books that have, like, a crossover within them where part of it, like, happens in them, do you insert the comic in the middle of the book of another comic book so that you make sure you've got like, <laughs> the story stays consistent that way, too? And what do you do when it, like, spreads up half – do you, like, tear the pages out to reorder them? Um, not that 
extent, but filed alphabetically under F and U, I think. (laughs) I I am slowly like for the worlds collide crossover. Oh my gosh! Superman books crossed over Mm -hmm. with the milestone books. Oh yeah, yes. I have those milestone books in that special, and uh, when I get some more bags and boards, the Superboy and Steel out issues are going to go from their normal place into that storyline. So if I ever want to read it, it's all right there. <laughs> if I want to find a copy of Total Justice number three, I have to remember where I was the day I bought oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I need to find yeah, that, 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 one, you're not wrong. But two, if it's a copy of Total Justice number three, as Shag and I discovered, that's going in the trash. <gasps> Total Justice. That series was terrible. Well, of course it was. It was the 90s. <laughs> it was a toy tie-in for, to make it worse. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll go next here. So uh, how many comics do you have in your collection? I have around 12,000 books, and they are in exactly 49 long boxes. And why do I know that exact number? Because no matter how many comic books I ever own, I will have no more than 49 long boxes. And the reason why is because my wife told me when we moved last time, you have how many effing boxes? I said 49. She said, if you ever get to 50, I'm throwing them all out. So no matter how many boxes I actually have in my house, I only have 49 long boxes and that shall never be discussed any further. (laughs) The circle of life. Uh, do I maintain a database and a want list? I did. I used to. Uh, I'm starting it as, as I love lists. I'm all about lists. In the earliest days, I, I started, um, and then I started maintaining it on my Commodore 64, and then imported. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. Then I imported that into Word, and then I imported that into Google Docs. But somewhere around 2005, I just stopped giving a shit, and uh, it just became too much a pain to keep up with it. So I, that's the last time it was updated. Uh, do I bag and board? I used to bag and board everything. I worked at a comic book store. I bagged and boarded for a living. I actually got paid to bag and board comics. So from 1984 uh, up until about 2010, I did that. And somewhere around 2010, again, kind of stopped giving a crap. So now I just throw them in, throw them in a box, uh, one of only 49 boxes. Um, do I sell or trade your, my books? Not once in 36 years have I ever sold a comic. I still have every single one of them. Uh, I have only ever traded one comic book. And I bring this up specifically so that I can prove someone else on this podcast just lied. Uh, I have traded one trade paperback in my life. That was specifically a Death of Superman special edition trade paperback. I exchanged with someone on this call who just lied about never trading uh, for a regular edition of the Superman trade paperback. Did, did, did I really say never? Because that's that's how I got a lot of my early back issues was trading. But I, I, it's I, what I heard. So that's what. I, I, no, uh, he did. He did not say never. No, he didn't. that's what I heard. So anyway, I've heard it both ways. Yeah, um, but, but by the way, that does play into the other obsession of having every version of the Death of Superman trade paperback ever because you gave me the platinum edition. I know. <laughs> uh, do I worry about condition? Yeah, I used to. Absolutely. In fact, I had a flood. We called it the Maytag Deluge of uh, 1995 where my apartment flooded and I lost a bunch of comics. And I was very upset. And the ones that got wet and wrinkled, I, I went on a mission to replace. I even kept a little piece of paper in my wallet. I always pull out for issues that I had lost. Um, and so, but now um, the 49 long boxes are in the garage in Florida. Uh, what the hell is wrong with you? It's there's no other place in the house for it, man. So uh, they're they're pretty close to the house, though, as opposed to close to the door. 
I've pulled out lots of comics since we moved in here. I haven't had any problem with anything, but I know I'm not taking care of them like I should. Then as far as alphabetizing, um, for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty traditional and alphabetical, but I've had to make some accommodations over the years. Uh, the new Teen Titans is what finally broke me uh, because I had, you know, the new Teen Titans. Then there was the new Titans. Then damn you, Dan Jurgens, we got Teen Titans. And then we got just Titans. And I'm like, oh, my God. So finally, all of those got filed under Titans, you know, that sort of thing. The Superman books uh, during the tri- you know, all the triangle years and all that, I-, I just filed them all under S for Superman. I didn't do it like Mike in release order, but it- I'd have, like, you know, all my action comics, then all my adventures of Superman, then Superman, then Superman, Man of Steel, and then all the other ones. Avengers, I'd put the West Coast in the new and the secret all under A. Oddly enough, I don't know why, but I never did that with Spider-Man. Spider-Man's under, like, Amazing and Peter Parker and Spectacular and all that. I can't explain that one. But uh, over in more recent years, since everything's out in the garage, I have a, I have a handful of boxes, four of them in my office here, uh, which are what I, I kind of think of as a quick access. Because you know, I do shows on Firestorm and Aquaman and Justice League and stuff like that. So I have those here in, in the office with me. So I've, uh, I've got one box. I love I, it's. I, I went for what I love. It's a Fury of Firestorm box. So it's got all the Firestorm in release order. I also put in like the flashback ups and the Blue Devil issue and the Captain Adam appearances, Brave and the Bold, DC Comics, all that kind of stuff. All the Firestorm stuff. So uh, um, Philip Rutledge should appreciate that one. He's a huge Firestorm fan. And then I've got all my Justice League International in America. Now there's a there's a there's a um, a wonder of alphabetizing nonsense. It goes Justice League. It, one book goes from Justice League to Justice League International to Justice League of America. Uh, which just makes a you know order alphabetical nightmare, and then Justice League Europe becomes Justice League International, the title from the other book halfway through. So uh, I have all those in here too, and those are just in release order. So uh, we're going to go over to you, Tim. Uh, what about you, buddy? Oh, uh, first off, I'm going to fix my adjust my neck because I was nodding so strongly at what you were saying about the Justice League books right there. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, I know. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, at, like I said, at my peak, I had like 70-plus long boxes. I figured I, my estimate was that now somewhere in the 20,000 range of comics. And now I'm down to like 30-plus long boxes. So, and yeah, so I'm probably in the 10,000 range. Um, and it's like, you know, I'm just uh, – and I bag and board all of them. I, I, I do like to have – I do like to have them that way. Now, I – and I do worry a little bit about the condition. One of the things I really worry about is that some of my boxes are not, uh, you know, firmly filled up. So that can make some of the bo- the comics start to bend where they're not supported evenly. So it's like, I don't really, I don't like that, but I don't fret about it too much. Um, and I, I don't know if I'd ever really call what I had a, a database. I tracked which. I tracked the series that I had and I would track like the issues, but I wasn't like tracking individual issues. I wasn't like, Oh, I've got, you know, this issue in this condition or this issue in this condition. It's like, no, I've just got, I, I hear the issues I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would track that. Um, and I would make up a want list when I'd go to shows. So I could actually like try to quickly find things there back in the, I think back in the nineties, that's when I was really doing that. Or when I was going to comic book shops, I'll be checking them that way there too. Um, and never really used a, Anything more fancy than a list, although showing a little bit different kind of nerd cred there is uh, in the 2000s um, during my job as a computer programmer, uh, I needed to actually like start getting some experience with a new programming language. And so on my own time, I wrote up my own database program to do my comic book inventory on, uh, which actually would also generate its own want list of here are the things that you have gaps on. 
So oh, I was wow. pretty proud of that little piece. Wow. That's cool. And yes. super nerdy, but cool. It was. It was Tim, super nerdy. Tim, you sound like one of those nerds that beat Shag up about Secret Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I thought his name sounded familiar. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe that, uh, that was probably some other, some other kid. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> that me and my buddies <laughs> from the computer science department loved. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So and I so that was and I um but yeah I don't I don't really keep that database up anymore I think I only I really only just like stopped worrying about it like two years ago I, I was really keeping up with it that long uh, but as I was I was not doing it as rigorously as some people do um, but even there it's like okay I don't really I'm not really worried about it I'm also with the books I'm selling and the books that I that I am keeping and the new books coming in it's like eh, it's too much of a hassle I pretty much know what I've got so it's fine um, and yes I all keep them all in boxes um, and do I and yeah I thought I've thought about selling I and I what I really do is kind of I, I, this is I'm, I, I know it's uh, it's kind of contrary to the capitalist nature of our country but I actually don't really try to price my books i've just i'm actually like got the men, the mentality of i'm trying to find them a new home so when i go to these shows i actually like i'm selling them for just a dollar a book i just like wow. go with that i just go with that because also it's like it's really great to have little kids come up and go through your box go through the comics and say like and, and dad says you know hey do you want a comic or mom says you, you can get you can get two comics and it's like or i say and they'll say a dollar each wow and you know they're so it just makes me happy to see the comics go to people who will appreciate them. So I'm just, that's, it's just a different thing. And that's why I like doing it in person too. Um, so it's like, no, I'm not making any money off it. I gave up on that a long time ago. Uh, mommy, but, daddy, I, mommy, daddy, I got this one called detective comics number 27 for a dollar. Yeah. I'm not that old. Shay. Zach's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just glad that there's two people on the call older than him. So. Shut up. I never <laughs> exactly. liked you, Bailey. <laughs> Uh, trading, not, not really been my thing. I've just not, but you know, Hey, uh, it, uh, I, I've got some, uh, um, um, primal fours out here for somebody who wants them. I know that <laughs> we could, we could definitely find some, we can buy work something out. Uh, yeah. And conditions like, no, nah, I, I haven't really worried about that too much. Um, except, you know, except for, you know, like getting side eyes, like what the heck is the price on this thing? Um, but I don't usually worry about the condition too much. Um, uh, man, my filing strategy is, yeah, I don't know when I started grouping them by character, but I, I, it just, it's been the way I've been doing it for the longest time. I used to group them alphabetically and by company and, and things like that, but eventually I just sort of like settled into doing it by characters, um, or like team book names. Cause uh, you know, you, when you talk about the Justice League and other comics like that, the Avengers fall to the same thing. There are so many frickin' titles of the Avengers nowadays. So it's like the Avengers, Mighty Avengers, West Coast Avengers, uh, New Avengers, New New Avengers, uh, old, out-of-date Avengers, uh, <laughs> Avengers that, you know, have to go to the nursing home. It's, it, it, just to take your pick on which ones you want. So it's like they're all they're all put together. And absolutely Spider-Man are all together because, you know, with the sheer volume of Spider-Man I have, it's like, yeah, I just want them all in one spot right there. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. All right. Mr. Kelly. <laughs> Before I answer, though, I, I do want to go back to Tim's notion of that all, every comic inside his house has to be read. So I'm like, I'm just picturing mm-hmm. piles of comics on his front porch because he won't let them in the house. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> just the mailman trying to deliver mail, and there's like all these primal forces laying around. It's just like, hey, no, they I, might get wet on the front porch. What are you talking about? I don't. Maybe you had an overhang or something. I don't <laughs> <Yes>. know. <Jim. laughs> Honey, oh, why, you why read your... them, so you, you read them, so, and then they're in the house. <laughs> Honey, why is there all these uh, infinite crisis crossovers blocking the front door? <laughs> For Tim, comics are like vampires. They have to be invited into the house. That's, otherwise, they, they don't get it. Hey, these, Secret Wars, these Secret War II comics, I paid good money for. Come on. <laughs> I, I also want to chime in here on the whole selling thing because both Mike and, and Tim have done it. I, I, I mentioned all the ones in the garage that I wish I could just get rid of. The problem is I look at it and I go, oh, my God, that's so much work. I'm just going to go take a nap <laughs> it, instead. And I just I can't, I can't bring myself to do it. It, it is. It is work. But – once you start doing it and develop your own system with it, it becomes almost cathartic. Uh, and, and I'm dead serious about that. When I, when I was getting rid of books, it was like a piece of my soul was coming back into me every time I let one go. Hmm. Because, mm-hmm. because I had become, in my head, and it's completely irrational, defined by owning these comics. This this is what I am. I'm a comic collector. I'm going to be a comic collector until the day I die. You're going to Charlton Heston these comics out of my cold, dead hands. (laughs) But as I and your family and spouse will be going like, what the freak has he done? Well, to be fair, my wife is a super enabler. Uh, I came into this house with 8000 comics uh, and I, I, I guess they breed asexually. I don't know. But <laughs> that's what, that's how my that's how my my marriage started as well. So no, I hear you. But um, so she she actually she the only rule she ever made for me collecting is that if I sell something, unless I sell it accidentally, which happened when I when I did the big purge last year, uh, I can't rebuy it. And I thought that was utterly reasonable on her part. Yeah. Uh, and but it, the the thing is is that through the combination of realizing that the comic industry had moved on and that all of us in our age group were clutching to it and wanting to make it something it's not, uh, wasn't healthy. I realized that it doesn't matter what comics I own. I've read enough that I think that I can hold my own in most conversations and Holy crap. Do they take up room? I mean, it, it's it's it was like all of these like weird like psychological and practical reasons. But once I started actually selling them, it became super easy to sell them. Not only did they take up a lot of room, they're freaking heavy. When we moved last time, I moved those forty nine long boxes, and I, my wife said, "I'm not helping with that." I so I moved them all myself, like at three in the morning with a U haul threw out my back and got bloody blisters on my feet just from carrying these things back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Oh, so All right, I, hear, I hear that too. I, I've moved like five times since my wife and I got married and yes, I've had to, and you could tell the boxes have been through a lot of moves. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, uh, it's not, it's not pretty. You start slinging them after a while. You're like, Ugh. Ugh. all right, Rob, your turn, buddy. 
Okay, so uh, how many comics do I have? Like I said, I, at my height, I had about 15,000, and I sold most of them back uh, in the 90s to help pay for art school, which some of you might be familiar. Uh, so now I'm down to... Uh, Did you now, go to art school, Rob? <laughs> uh, I, I, I reproduce asexually. So uh, I'm now down to... I only have about three short boxes full of comics. That's about it. Uh, and those are, those are loose. I have, I have space for those. Um, so that's the, 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 they're on a shelf actually here as a, as I'm sitting here. And those are, those are all the comics I, I have. at this point. And a spinner rack. Well, the, okay. But, but this, the comics go off the spinner rack into the box oh, okay. when I have to move them. So I don't, I, they're part of that. Um, do I maintain a database or a want list? No, I don't. Um, I database. I'm not that much of a nerd. A want list. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I feel I feel triggered. <laughs> you, you, I'm good. That was my intention. What the hell? Um, so uh, uh, a one. I don't have a want list, but I do. I, look when I go to any place that has comics, I look to see if they have comics from the '70s and early '80s, and that that's getting tougher and tougher because, of course, as I age, the comics from my childhood become older and older. And, you know, like, so you go to like a typical comic book store, most comic book stores have what they consider older comics, which is like early 2000s and the 90s. Right. To them, that's old. But to me, it's like, I don't want, what do I care about, you know, total justice again? You know, I mean, I want something from, I want uh, weird war tales or where monsters dwell or, you know, Power Man and Iron Fist. But that stuff's getting harder to find because, of course, you know, even the most random comic from the seventies is now 40 years old. So I don't, so I have a want list in my head of like, let me just try and find fun stuff. Uh, but it doesn't always work. Uh, do I bag and board? Nothing. I don't bag and board anything anymore. I don't care about the condition. Um, there's one or two books I have that are so old and so fragile that they're in a bag and board just so they hold together. They have some structural integrity, but uh, I don't. Other than that, I don't really uh, care about them. So they're all just in a box, loose. Do I sell or trade? Um, I used to. I did sell some stuff on eBay, but man, I I got out of that real fast because man, comic book buyers on eBay are so persnickety. I mean, Jiminy Christmas! Mm-hmm. I mean, oh it was, man, it got uh, yeah. it got to be yep. so much of a pain because it was like you know, and I would grade my books pretty pretty um, conservatively. You know, I would say. This is kind of like very good plus. And somebody would be like, no, it's not. It's very good minus. I'm like, oh, for God. Oh, you know, come on. I, just, just buy the goddamn Super Spidey Super Stories and move on. You know I mean? Um, in terms I'm sorry, sir, but apparently there is a little fold in the corner of the upper, like, yeah, upper third page here. It is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, I don't trade books because I just don't. I just don't have the, the just don't have that experience. But I will say I do give a lot away. And I don't mean to say this to make myself sound magnanimous or anything, although I am. Uh, but I, I, I Mike, but Mike's comment about that—he feels like he regains part of his soul by giving something away. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally co-sign that. I have given a lot of comics away to people, and I know that the people I'm giving them to uh, will probably appreciate them way more than than me because they're just sitting in a box for me. And that gives me real pleasure. And the one story I'll briefly, I'll tell, I think I mentioned this on, on a fire and water at some point, Jack is a bunch of years ago. Uh, the late great Len Wein had a massive mm-hmm. fire at his house and he lost oh. his entire comic collection. 
Uh, I mean, you can imagine what the comic collection of Len Wein must have looked like. And mm-hmm. so, so his, he lost the, apparently lost, like lost them all. And so his friend, Mark Evanier, the writer, Mark Evanier, uh, put together this online thing of like, basically let's replace Len's comic collection. And he was coordinating and it was like, Hey, these are the comics Len had. If you have some and you're willing to give them to Len, coordinate with me and I'll make sure that we don't get duplicates and we'll cross them off the list, blah, blah, blah. So of course, Len wrote my favorite run of the Phantom Stranger to draw all the ones drawn by Jim Apparel. And I had them all. And so I volunteered to send Len Wein my Phantom Strangers that he wrote. And Mark Evanier was like, yeah, great. Then no one's ponied up them. So I sent them. And so I don't know where they are now. Cause of course, unfortunately, Mr. Wein is no longer with us. I assume they're with his family, but it gave me great satisfaction to know that the Phantom Strangers that I love so much are now with the guy that wrote them. That's you fantastic. Know, that, that was, that's, that's just, awesome. It was so good. So, so I, I, anytime I get an impetus to give something away to somebody, uh, I, I immediately follow it because I always feel great about it. And I never miss the books. I just don't, you know I mean? I'm, I've never given something away where like a month later, I'm like, Oh, why did I do that? No, it's, it always feels great to get rid of it. Um, do I worry about condition? Like I said, no, I don't really care about that. I don't buy a comic that's really beat up. Like if it's ready to fall apart, I, tr- I will try and, you know, buy something a little nicer. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Kelly and I were at a, a comic store. Actually, we're in the, the comic store in Devon that you and I visited, Shag. Oh, that's awesome. Showcase Comics. And I was buying comics for Halloween because I wanted to put some horror comics on the spinner rack because she's got all sorts of Halloween decorations up. And I was just going through their boxes, going through all their, you know, House of Mystery. What do they have? House of Secrets. What do they have? You know, where monsters dwell, whatever. And I saw some books that were you know, dirt cheap, but they looked like they had been thrown under that bus that with under where Shag is that I threw them <laughs> under earlier. And I was like, I don't want them that bad. So I was willing to pay like a buck or two more to get a slightly nicer copy just because that way it's, you know, the staples aren't falling apart and the pages or whatever. So that's the only part I worry about it. And then filing, I don't really have one. Like I have all, I have every issue of Ulcer Squadron. Mm. They're all together. I have every issue of Justice League from 100 through 261. They're all together. I have all my Aquaman comics together. And then I have all my Mountain comics together. And then pretty much everything else is just random. So it's it's really just like, do I have a, do I have some that belong together? Yeah. Otherwise, they're all just loose. So that's kind of – it's very, very informal. I, uh, I did want to mention specifically about condition, something I forgot to mention. When I used to work in the comic book store in the 90s, one of the things I liked to do was I would keep a copy of Milk and Cheese folded up in my back pocket. And uh, first of all, just to get people to look at it anytime, anywhere I was, but also to tell people at that point, I'm like, no, comic books are meant to be read and have fun. You do not deem to buy seven copies of Blood Strike Number One and you know and, and put it in hermetically sealed things for value because it's not going to pay your kids' way through college. I promise. And Michelle Fife oh. just turned off the podcast. <laughs> uh, don't forget X Factor Number One. I mean, how you I mean you can't have enough copies of X Factor Number One. That's true. I tell you. Uh, I was going to make one addendum to the uh, to the ordering thing. I have yeah. one exception to my ordering. I have one long box for the comics that I've had so, uh, signed. Oh. I, I keep them in a separate long box, and I do keep them in the same thing alphabetically by character in that order as well. But that's like the only exception I have to my ordering rule. Uh, that's one. That's a different thing there too. It's like do you 
I'm, and I mean, I only had things signed like in the last few years. That was one thing about selling my comics that actually paid for me going to shop to uh, shows the last few years. So like meeting up with you, Shag, and you know, even though I, that was probably a mistake, uh, I True. Uh, let me that let me pay for that. Um, so that was a really cool thing to have these comics signed now too. Um, but do you guys, you know, put your your any books that you have signed and do you handle them separately? Are they part of the overall collection? You know. Uh, for me, I file them in with the other books, but I put like a sticker on the front that says signed by, so that way I know like who it was. Um, typically, uh, and I got some of these ideas from Ange as far as like putting the date and where the signature happened. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would also do the same for the ones that had my letters printed in them. I'd put a little sticker on the front so I could remember, but uh, I, they Back were all to just- the cherry pop tart. Right. <laughs> they were, they were filed. I actually had one issue with that and I had to hide you it want in my special collection. comic. Right. <laughs> There's a blast from the past. This um, never happened to me before. Right. But... <laughs> um, what about you guys? So uh, signed comics, anything uh, filed differently? Anything like that? Not I have diff- some... oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, not differently. Uh, most of my signed comics are the comics that I have. So, you know, uh, but uh, even the ones that people have gotten me, like Tom Panneries uh, a couple years ago, his comic shop was giving away the wedding issue. Oh my Superman. gosh. Whoa. Like they had like a huge stack that they were just like giving away. So he grabbed one, he took it to Baltimore Con, and he had all the Superman people there sign it and he sent it to me. Aww. So I have an extra copy of, of the wedding issue because of that. So, and that gets filed right behind uh, the regular one or the one that isn't signed. I imagine that Mike files like newsstand versus direct market stuff in like a specific order. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Rob, you were saying about signed and things like that. Yeah, I have some autographed comics. Thank mostly those are gifts given to me by Dr. Ange or Chuck Coletta. They're very, very generous folks with that stuff. Uh, but no, I, I generally just keep them all again. Like I, like I have some uh, issues of adventure comics signed by J.M. Demetrius, and they're just with all my Aquaman comics. Cause again, it's yeah. I, I just feel like bagging and boarding them. It just it, I don't know. I used to do it, and then I just kind of part part of it was space. Like I like you, Shag. I I had a limit to how many boxes I was going to own, and I was like, you know what? To have every comic in a bag and board, I was losing space. Yeah, that's true. Like they just take up more space mm-hmm. when they've all got boards in them. So once I took all that all that out, I was like, oh, I can fit a lot more comics in here. <laughs> They're a lot heavier without the boards, by the way. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so, uh, addendum to that, you will know you've hit a box of '90s comics because they get heavier. That's true. Yeah, the oh, paper. Yeah, all yeah, the, all oh, the yeah. covers and all that crap. Yeah, it, it, it's it's it, when I was sorting my Superman books a couple weekends ago to the ones I was going to sell, I picked up the ones that were all my Bronze Age ones, and I was just like, "Wow, these are kind of light." And then I hit the new Fifty Two ones, and I wanted to get a spotter. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's 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 insane. Like I, I at one point wanted to develop the comic book short box uh, exercise uh, curriculum. Yeah, you um, should. But uh, just haven't gotten around to that. <laughs> we got, got some guys in the Firewater Geek Fitness that would love that. 
So uh, I've got an addendum to your addendum to Tim's addendum um, with the filing order. I actually, I did go through a period where I had a couple of boxes of DC events. You know, uh, Paul Hicks from the DC OCD podcast would love this, where I, I, I literally had like Crisis and Legends and things like that. But the one that uh, makes me think of you, Mike, is I actually had Our Worlds of War. And I had all of those all completely commingled in there in the order they were supposed to be read because I was so enamored with that crossover at the time. All right, let's go on to the next round. Uh, short round here. Question is, are you a completist and do you have holes in your runs that drive you nuts? And do you have any niche collections that you're especially fond of? Uh, we're going to start off with you, Mr. Price. All right. Well, first off, we have to get the short round joke out of the way. You call him Dr. Jones. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, I, I, that's definitely a question that's kind of changed over time. Um, back, uh, when I really first got the collecting bug in college and after college, I definitely was trying to get my runs to be as complete as possible. Um, finding any filling holes were definitely driving me crazy. Um, more because you also got, this was still, you know, the eighties and nineties and, you know, this is well before the internet. And it's like, you just didn't know what happened in the stories if you didn't go and buy them. Um, and we didn't even have as many trade paperbacks or, um, reprint collections and things like that. They just weren't, they just weren't done as much. They're done so much nowadays. It's tons easier, uh, to, to, you know, at least read the story in case if you missed something. But if you really just missed the story, it's like you had to go, you had to just find the comic. Um, and I just want, I just wanted to read the story. That's all there was to it. That's where I still feel like I'm such a reader at heart. So I had to go fill those holes. I, but it was definitely kind of skirting the line between because I'm a completionist or because I want to just be the reader. Um, and definitely over time now, it's like, uh, I, I don't mind the holes in the collection, but it's like, I, if it's, and for like, especially for newer issues, it's definitely a thing of like, ah, that's all right. I've got the Marvel Unlimited app. I've got the DCU app. I'll just go see if I can read the story over there. Uh, and that's definitely been also kind of fun to do with the uh, older series to kind of make that a, a game of what, what series can I read up and uh, fill those, fill those mental holes in. Uh, not, not the normal mental holes that I have. Those, those can't be helped. <laughs> Too numerous um, to count. <laughs> exactly. Um, niche collections. Uh, I'm I, I'm such a – I really just started, you know, my collecting in force in the Bronze Age and in the more like in the 80s. So it's like I don't know. But I I did, you know, get a – have at one point a complete run of New Teen Titans uh, from the very beginning. Um And I uh, – this you might, you might appreciate this, Shag, also is that I started – Collecting Blue Devil, but issue number twelve. Okay, so I had I did get myself a full run of 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 it after that. Very so nice. Sir. I really yes, thank you. I I really had to get that one completed. Um, and yeah, it's a, and of course you know Justice League JLI. It's like I'm really proud of that one. And um, and I, I always I was always stuck with the bug, even with comic book shops and going there every week and trying to stay on top of what was coming out and what might be interesting. I still almost never got the first issue of anything when it came out. I always on was on issue two or five before I ever saw something for the first time, always. So, you know, and that was, a, that was the thing about there is like just getting those, just getting like the, even though that one or two issues that I missed was always a joy. And, um, but also uh, is 
if you were, if I was really fanatical about it, I'd be like, oh, this is not a first printing. But it's like, no, no, I just want to read the story. So it's fine that it's the 12th printing of the issue number one. I don't care. Um, so, like, I just finished my reread of all of Jeff Smith's Bone. Um, mm. it's like and that That's a glorious series. Um, so, And I still have all the issues of that, um, which is, like, be the, the pre-image cartoon, when it was cartoon books, then the image run, then back to cartoon books. I, I just finished reading that. That one's just a joy. Not, not just partly for, cause partly I did get in on it a little late. I didn't get in on the ground floor. Um, I was like issue number five was probably my first issue there. So I was just very pleased as that. Awesome. Uh, Rob, what about you, buddy? Uh, yeah, I'm certainly not a completist. Uh, so yeah, I don't really bother with holes and things. Although I guess the one, although this, this follows up with the next question about niche collections. Like I have every, this is not going to be surprised to anybody. I have every comic that Alan Brennert ever wrote. So, yeah, and that's not, I mean, that's not that many, but I mean, like, you know, when he, when he put out a new comic, uh, earlier this year, I made sure to go out and get it, even though I don't really buy print comics anymore. Uh, I was like, I have to have that. So I have those, I have all my mountain comics. Um, so the, some of those are missing. That's, I guess maybe that's, uh, you could say I'm a completist for that because I have a general list of what were mountain comics and I want to have all those. And so every so often I will either buy one on eBay or I will, if I find it in the, you know, in a store somewhere. So those are kind of the only real things that I bother with anymore. I, I mentioned, I used to have every issue of the original justice league series. I had one through two sixty one plus the annuals. Wow. And, yeah. And it was, it was funny because it, it <laughs> I had the whole run, uh, except uh, the last issue I, I had, was, I couldn't find was number 148. Like just took a random issue. 148 Strange. Was I mean, I had number one through nine, but I couldn't find 148 anywhere. And then I finally found it through a dealer, uh, who ran an ad in the comic buyer's guide. Everybody remember that thing? Oh yeah. Um, and I got yeah, that in yeah, the mail. Yeah. yeah. And I got that in the mail and I was so proud. I was like, the collection's finally complete. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> exactly. I eventually sold the first 100 issues of JLA to help pay for things. And those, I never really read much of those anyways, really the later ones that I read. Um, but so that's, that, that was really it in terms of, of collecting. And, and I mean, I like the other, I guess the other thing I collect is I collect treasuries certainly. And, uh, I have pretty much all of those and I have all the DC digests. Um, so I, you know, I have those too, but like, I, once in a while, I'll give one away, and if the fact that it's I, the collection is not com- totally complete just doesn't bother me all that much. If I ever want to get it, I mean, we haven't really mentioned too much of this. Like eBay, like eBay, really to me, in a lot of ways, cut the fun out of collecting comics because you could just get it. You know, like you didn't have to hunt for it anymore. Right. If you really want it, just go to eBay and buy the damn thing. And while that's awesome to help fill holes in your collection, it does. You know, there's no more hunt anymore. There's no discovery. It's just click, 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 click. All right, it'll be here in five to seven days. You know, we've talked about that very. Whether it's you and me or or, or Mike and you, me or whatever, uh, the kids, the kids today will <laughs> never. Yeah, go whippersnappers. Will never understand the thrill of the TikTok hunt. TikTok and their Snapchat, <laughs> their hula hoop and their Dan Fogelberg records. <laughs> 
Everyone take a shot if you've got the Michael Bailey bingo card. You knew that one was coming. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they'll, they'll never understand the thrill of that hunt, of finding, like, oh, my God, it's Micronauts number 32. I've been looking for this for six years. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, there's, like, three stories off the top of my head right now of, of finding that last issue, finding that last issue of All-Star Squadron I was looking forward, finding that last issue of the Peter David Hulk run, that actually was the next issue I needed to read because I finally started reading through it. Uh, yeah, it's just like, it's the same with like television shows and, 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 and like, you know, at one point it's like, wait a second, there was a 1940s Captain Marvel serial. And now you just go to YouTube and it's there. Right? Exactly. Yeah. There, there was, a, there was one Star Trek Next Generation episode I missed uh, in its original airing. And I'm like, I missed an episode of next gen. And it was like for years, I could just never catch it. And then Netflix comes along. I'm like, Oh, well, I guess I can watch it now. It kind of takes the fun out of it. <laughs> so we, we interrupted Rob though. So I were, I think you were on, do you have any niche collections or, or were you, had you already wrapped that up with the digest? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I, it's really about the formatting, you know what I mean? I have just like, it's, it's digest, it's treasuries, uh, the Alan Briner thing. I mean, so yeah, those are, I guess those are you consider my, my real niche collections. I would dare say, I'd bet even Alan Brenner doesn't have a full collection of all the comics that he's written. It's, just, it's entirely possible. I don't. I can't talk to him anymore thanks to the restraining order he took out of me. But well, that's after you asked if you could move into his house. So yeah, it was a little awkward there. Uh, Mr. Bailey, you're up. So uh, I used to have, like I said, the Encyclopedia Britannica of want lists. Um, because I wanted to, I was a completist, so I wanted to have it. I had a goal at one point, and I pretty much almost succeeded outside of, like, the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons type books of having just about, like, every DC superhero book from Crisis to Infinite Crisis. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, but now it's it's very, like, my, my I want to get a complete issue, uh, complete run, excuse me, of Icon. Because uh, I have most of those issues. I love that character and I want all the issues because I like having them. Uh, the niche thing is, I know this is going to shock everybody. I hope everyone's sitting down. It's Superman related. What? I like getting now the second and third printings of post-crisis books. Like the, because it used to be when DC did it like a second printing or a third printing, they put a Roman numeral on the cover. Yep. Uh, if you like, if you if you've ever like come across like issues of the Robin miniseries from 1990, and there's like a Roman numeral two, that's because it was a second printing. But they did these, especially around the death of Superman. They did second printings of everything because they could not keep enough paper in stock to, to to print all those books. So I not only have the bagged edition of Superman 75 and the platinum edition of Superman 75. But I have the newsstand cover and all four subsequent printings of it all together. And Adventures of Superman is the same way. I have the Platinum Adventures 500. Uh, the weird thing is discovering Platinum Editions I didn't know existed. There was a Platinum Edition of Action 700. And there was a Platinum Edition of Worlds Collide number one. So no, <laughs> col no color forms? Uh, it, it was just the regular, the, the newsstand cover, but with like a platinum sheen on it. Dude, no, like, no color forms. That just takes the fun out of that thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, that was why I bought that issue. <laughs> 
and I'm like, you know, what the hell? You know, I have this, and and and, my, and one day Indiana Jones is going to come to my house and go, it belongs in a museum. <laughs> but, but really, that's that's where my collecting bug is. Uh, that and um, I love pre two thousand trade paperbacks mm. because, especially in the nineties, Marvel was insane with their trade paperbacks. They weren't all always the same shape and size. Like, and like, if you got like that Venom Spider-Man versus Venom trade, it's like small and shorter and squatter than all of the other trades. So it's kind of interesting. I look at all the stuff that I buy now. I kind of look at, 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 at like not seriously, but they're artifacts. They're artifacts of a particular time. Uh, my other weird obsession is promo posters. Mm, okay. I love comic book promo posters. I have just about all the post crisis Superman ones, uh, including a Worlds Collide one that's five feet across. Oh my gosh! Yep. <laughs> I have right now the wedding one up uh, over my comics, uh, which is like five feet tall as well. So it's uh, this thing. These things are massive. I love that you rotate your posters when you post it on Facebook. I just oh, yeah. I adore that. I, I, I don't, when I, when I hang a poster up, it pretty much is there till I move. Uh, and so I love that you rotate them. It, it makes so much more sense. Uh, Oh, I guess I'm last. Okay. Um, am I a completist? Uh, do I have holes and runs that drive me nuts? I used to, I used to be a massive completist, uh, especially for Aquaman and Firestorm, as you may imagine. And here's one thing I'm surprised no one's mentioned it by this point before there was this thing called the internet. Uh, we had, well, I guess it was around, but anyway, Mayfair games published a who's who supplement. So it was the role-playing stats for the Who's Who characters. But what they had on the back changed comic collecting forever for me. On the back of these loose-leaf sheets from Mayfair, they listed every single appearance of the character, and they are broken down by pre-crisis and post-crisis. It was basically what you get from, like, I don't know, Mike's Amazing World or the old comic book DB or whatever in printed form. And this was like the Rosetta Stone, I guess, for me. Really, I'm like, oh, I now know every issue Aquaman was in. So I started trying to buy all of them. Uh, I did not get to that point success with Aquaman, but I got pretty close to having every post-crisis Aquaman. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. I, had, I did every post-crisis. I, I tried to get everything from, was it showcase number 33, Rob? Is that what it is or whatever? When he, uh, somewhere what? in that range. Showcase 30 to 33 were yeah. the, the yep. kind of the return, yeah. I tried to get from Showcase 30 forward every appearance of Aquaman. I didn't quite get there. I got pretty darn close. And as far as holes that would drive me nuts, like I would find a, like a weird one-off issue. I'd be like, huh, that's weird. I guess I need to get Blasters number one because Firestorm's in it. Okay. So this is, of course, the um, Invasion follow-up, Blasters number one written by Peter David. And I spent years looking for this thing. I couldn't find it. And regardless of what Cisco and Boss try to convince you, it's garbage. And I, I searched and searched and searched. And finally, I got it. And it was like that moment, you know, as you guys were joking about the angelic music and stuff. I'm like, here it is. I finally have Blasters number one. Oh, my gosh, Firestorms. I'm so excited. And I find he's like, I don't know, in the back of one panel and not even colored. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, I have gone too far. And that's when I realized the completest uh, strategy was, was a road to madness. So uh, I, I think I kind of let it slide at that point. 
But that who's who, man, what a treasure that was. And as far as niche collections, I, I'm struggling on this one. Like, I can't think of anything that's just a really big deal uh, as far as, like, me saying this is this and it's really rare. But it's more just what's meaningful to me. Like, I mentioned that Firestorm collection earlier of all the various appearances in Blue Devil and all that stuff. Like, uh, I'm sorry, not Blue Devil, but, like, the Captain Adam stuff and all that. And that that's meaningful to me. That that means a lot to me. I like those. I like that. I like my Aquaman collection. Uh, I used to be really proud of my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles collection because, you know, you guys talk about reprints. You know, the early days of that, everything was reprints because those old issues were hard to find. Well, I started uh, with first prints on issue number five. So I was there pretty early in the day and I was pretty proud of that. Justice League, you know, Rob, you talked about you had every issue. I didn't have every issue. I have – oh, I guess I still do. I have every story, whether it's a reprint or a first printing. I have like – in trade form, I have everything up to, I don't know, somewhere around issue 100 or something like that. And then everything else forward was, is in print, but our individual issue, I, I invested because I was a fool in those archives, those $50 archives. Oh, no. Yeah. So Ooh. I have like the first seven or eight volumes of those. Uh, and then I just, then I went cheap and went showcase to get to the rest of it. But anyway, but the one I was probably the proudest of when I was a kid was my X-Men collection. And it's not even like it was, all that valuable or anything. I started around the time of, uh, in the one eighties. So it wasn't even like, you know, all the, all the John Byrne stuff was already over by that point, but I, I had everything from, uh, I, I had everything from that point forward. And what I would do is I would buy X-Men classics, which I just thought was a great reprint series. And you got like those John Bolton, like two, you know, I don't know, eight page fillers or whatever. And so between those, I had everything from 1975 to 1995. And I mean, everything. And I was so proud of that back then. Nowadays, I, don't you know? I love. I still have a lot of passion for those X Men era, and I'll talk about that in just a minute in the next segment. But uh, it, it, I don't know. I was very, very happy with that back in the day. I actually did the same thing with that, Jack. I actually was very happy with the, the classic X Men series, and just and did buy those issues to uh, uh, catch my catch up to the ones that I hadn't bought um, from the from the first from the original start of that of that of the new X Men series. So yeah, I'm right with you. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we're going to go to the home stretch here. Uh, and the questions are, what do you still collect today? And when you read nowadays, whether it's old or new comics, what formats do you read? Do you read them in the floppies, uh, the trades, digital, whatever? And I'll go first on this one. So um, what do you still collect today? I get two things. That's it. I get Bash- Back Issue Magazine, and I get the trade collections of Doctor Who comics. That's it. Nothing else. Sorry, folks. Uh, if there was a Firestorm book on the shelf, yeah, I'd get it. But there isn't, so I don't. Uh, as far as old stuff goes, I still buy old stuff. So here's the thing. I'm always looking for weird, quirky stuff that's not available digitally. Uh, and, and I'll talk about a little bit more about that in a minute. But like uh, I, just last weekend, I was in a store, and I saw on their trade paperback shelf they had what, what I pimped in the in-stock trades, the Star Trek newspaper strips collections. I already have volume one myself, but they had volume two. I'd never seen it before. I'm like, wow, okay, here's something that's never been reprinted. I've never um, – I've never come across it digitally anywhere, and this is the only time it's been collected as far as I know. Maybe maybe there's another collection somewhere, but I'm never going to find it, and I certainly can't go on some service and read it. So I'm like, i got to own this because I, I want to read it. I did something similar, um, also newspaper strips. I recently ordered the Zorro dailies because in uh, the late 1990s, there was a daily Zorro newspaper strip uh, drawn by Tom Yeats. I'm like, oh, 
Hell yeah. Again, not available anywhere digitally, so I bought the physical thing. So I, when, well, before the pandemic, I traveled around the country a lot for work. And every time I would do that, I would go to a comic book store. And a lot of you folks that I've met up and hung out with, like poor Tim and, and, uh, and poor Mike Bailey and people like that, I, I would go to comic book stores whenever I'd go to visit people in towns. And, um, I, and again, I wasn't looking for, I don't know, uh, Aquaman number 32, I was looking for something weird that I couldn't get elsewhere. And that's the kind of stuff I did. I'd, or I'd dig through old, um, like 50 cent pins and stuff like that. I love to look for really unusual 1980 comics that just aren't available digitally. I mean, that's how I ended up with my Micronauts collection. You know, I just would dig through and keep looking for Micronauts issues over and over. Or, you know, I, I think I picked up some, um, Oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. It was a Bill Mantlo series. We just covered it. Rob is about We're on the space night. No, it was the space pirates. When I read, um, Oh, the Space Pirates one? Yeah, I'm blanking on the name. Swashbucklers or something like that. Sword of Swashbucklers? Yes, thank you. Oh, okay. That that was the epic comic uh, run, right? Yep. Now, that has actually been reprinted, but I I didn't know that at the time, so I picked up a bunch of those from the cheap and stuff like that. Stuff that you're just not going to find on Marvel Unlimited or whatever. Uh, And right now, I I think I want to go start looking for the Maze Agency. That's kind of piqued my interest because Mike W. Barr wrote those, and uh, it looks Mm -hmm. interesting. Adam Hughes drew some, so yum. And then as far as um, when I read nowadays, whether it's older or new comics, what format do I read? Well, I do read a lot of comics, but they're all old. Uh, day-to-day reading, I pretty much i am exclusively digital. Uh, I, I bought a tablet. Specific, I got a 10-inch Kindle uh, specifically for media consumption. I don't have any email on it. I don't have any Facebook, no Twitter, no text, no communication at all. It is just comic reading apps and like Netflix and Amazon and stuff like that. That way I can do whatever I want to do without all the distractions from the world. And, uh, so let's, let's see, I, I kind of went through this a little more specifically here. Um, uh, the outside of digital, the only time I ever read something that's not digital is when it's either for a podcast uh, recording or if again, it's one of those quirky things that just aren't available. So I've been a Marvel unlimited subscriber for six years now. And uh, I even moderate a Facebook group on it dedicated to the Marvel Unlimited. I've got DC Universe, which I guess is about to become DC Universe Infinite or whatever the hell they're going to call it. Uh, Comixology as well. Now, I don't subscribe to Comixology Unlimited. I just – I buy a lot of really – whenever they have a big, big sale for like 99 cents, I buy a bunch of crap on Comixology. And I also have uh, Perfect Viewer for the occasional CBR. Anyway, and uh, I was just going to rattle off a couple things I've read recently. They just gave me some joy. I recently read a whole bunch of new Titans from the 1990s, the Titans Hunt. You know, across all the various books those were in, I've read like 30 issues of that uh, recently. I recently reread um, some Marvel Star Wars Rogue Squadron comics on Marvel Unlimited, which was lots of fun. If you like Star Wars, get Marvel Unlimited. They got like 500 comics on there. Uh, I, I was rereading the Jeff Johns JSA. Uh, which is so stinking good. Got about 20 years into that. But then I got distracted, and I'm currently reading New Mutants. And uh, it goes back to my X-Men love. So I'm, I'm reading the original New Mutants and any of the tie-in books like Magic, the X-Men issues, uh, Marvel Team-Up, all that stuff. I'm like 25 issues in. I'm about to get to uh, this Encavage run. I'm so excited. So that's that's kind of where, where I am and all that. So, Tim, uh, what do you still collect today, and how do you read them when you do read? Sure. I As my gathered from my earlier comments is that yes i still get avengers and amazing spider-man which as i said yeah i started collecting in like 1980 and yeah there so that's a lot of comics but i still i still get those um and also i have a a soft spot for captain america so i have i get the regular captain america series too i just those those three comics i just can't seem to quit um but also it's like I have my – as I said, a lo- my longtime friend runs the comic book shop that I buy them from. And I kind of like – this is this is me partly supporting him and partly supporting my habit. 
so I, I don't mind that. It is a little bit frustrating that, you know, Amazing Spider-Man has like four or five monthly titles, same thing for the Avengers. That can be a little frustrating at times. Uh, but I still buy those. And so those, those are really the only, um, print comics that I buy on a regular basis anymore. I really have drunk the digital Kool-Aid pretty heavily uh, with the Marvel Unlimited app and DCU. Uh, I really just am enjoying binging those, but, uh, you know, also I'm following the podcasters. Whatever shows I'm listening to are the ones that also I'll try to read along um, with the comics that they cover. So that's been I, I really enjoy that a lot, but it means that, yeah, I also don't have to choose. I don't have to choose what I'm, what I'm reading for myself. You all choose it for me. So uh, <laughs> thank you all for controlling my life. Um, <laughs> Happy to do it. <laughs> but yeah, that's been, that's been fun. Although it's, it is a, a bittersweet thing, which I, I started thinking about because I, I know Rob has made comments about, about digital also um, that without the ads, it is kind of, it is kind of funny that I, do kind of wistfully go, boy, it would be cool to see these ads that are part of the time that the comic came out, that little time yeah. capsule mentality of it. And cause you made a similar comment, Rob, on, on MASHcast about, you know, seeing like a VCR recording of MASH and seeing the commercials of the time. It's like, yeah, yeah that would be so cool if the, if, uh, if, uh, MeTV and others would show those original ads. Cause yes, I get exactly what you're talking about is that that kind of like completes the package. You know, we're not having it mixed in with, uh, you know, going to see the local lawyer. If you've been hurt in an accident, it's like I don't want to see that guy. Right. I want to see the 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 ads from Toys R Us back in the day. Uh, so I I get that I get that feeling too. But I'll, the flip side is also the digital takes up a whole lot less space mm-hmm. than the hard copies now. So guys just gotta weigh that, and that's where I definitely stick with the digital. Um, and I, yeah, I don't really get into the trades or, or much, but one thing that's kind of different that we haven't talked about is that, uh, I guess the other big print thing I will support is the occasional Kickstarter from creators that oh, we like from the point. past, you know, good point. that they, when they bring along things, yeah, I like supporting those. I've got, uh, Carl Kiesel and Tom Crummett section zero book up there on the shelves up there. Woo-hoo. Um, Couple of webcomic people that I follow, uh, have done Kickstarters. I try to follow, uh, support those things. Um, so yeah, that's the, I think that's also a, a valuable thing to have as part of your collection too, is that we have now, it's the flip side of the, of the internet is that now it's also a forum for our creators to reach us directly and sell their, their product, their creations directly to us, but get it in a physical form, not just digitally. So that's been an interesting development over the last few years. No, good, good call there. Absolutely. It's a lot of stuff we've mentioned here. I've actually kickstarted. Um, somebody mentioned, um, our value customers. I've got a kickstarter for that too. And, and section zero, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rob, what about you, buddy? Uh, in terms of what I'm reading, I don't read anything current anymore. I do keep up with the Aquaman comic, uh, which I, you know, I can't believe I'm in a world where like, I don't find that a big deal anymore. Uh, I get it digitally. I don't, I hate to say this. I don't really care what happens in it anymore because this Aquaman is no longer an endangered species. You know, <laughs> back when, back, really, I mean, back when we started the show, he really was. And he was now dead. He's, <laughs> right. And now he's not. And now he's not. Even if this, this current series gets canceled uh, and he's getting near number 75. So that generally means he's going to get canceled. Uh, they'll start it over because he's just too much of, he's just too much of a, um, 
piece of a, a merchandising firmament now for them to get, ever get rid of. So I, I read it out of pure, like, I just want to keep up with it, but I, I kind of just don't really care about it. Um, so that, and when I do get it, it's digital. Cause I just want to just inform myself of what's going on. Okay. If it's something I really want to read, like I mentioned the Alan Brenner Submariner comic that he did, I go and buy that in print, partly because I want to support my local comic shop. Uh, it's not much, but, you know, I do what I can. And then the only other thing I'm collecting, and I, I, maybe I should have mentioned this in the previous segment, but I am collecting, going back and collecting the Marvel Fireside books from the oh, yeah, yeah. And I have a bunch of those ones. I have them. I have, what do I have here? I have Bring on the Bad Guys, the Superhero Women, Son of Origins, Origins of Marvel Comics, and The Incredible Hulk. But there were a bunch others, and those are really cool. And so those are something that like, every so often – when I have an extra 20 bucks or something, I'll go on eBay and look at like the Captain America one, the X-Men one, the Fantastic Four one, just to see if I can find one in a decent gym. Because I love those books. They were really my introduction to the history of Marvel Comics through those, you know, those collections. And I like having those. So it's kind of funny that uh, we should do a whole nother show about collecting anything that's not comics. Like mm. that's a whole other topic mm-hmm. is like stuff we collect. So we could do another show about just that. Cause I collect lots of other things that are not comic related at all, but that will be a conversation for another day. Coming next, the S and M podcast where we talk about Rob's collection. There we go. Uh, and Michael Bailey, what about you, buddy? Oh, wow. And, you know, it's funny that I am so far removed, uh, from the, um, day to day comic, release stuff that I it's weird because there was a time where I had to go every week I had to get my books I had to stay abreast I had to read comic book resources and I had to read newsarama and I had to read this and I had to read that and I was going to stay you know and before that as I got wizard every single month there was a time when you and I did a podcast going through the previews catalog yeah and now I'm just like what that came out and it, it sounds like I'm being snarky, but I'm not. It's just walking away from the Superman books, uh, which I did uh, late last year. Um, and it's coming up on the year mark, so uh, I think it's permanent now. Uh, I I really, I don't miss it. I I just don't miss it. I don't miss that taking up of my time. Uh, of having to figure out, you know, how am I going to read this? I got to read all these books and cause I want to stay abreast. And if I leave it, leave it piling up, man, that means, that means I'm just kind of wasting money and yeah, I can read it kind of like a trade paperback. So when I do pick up a book, it's usually a big deal recently. And I, it's usually digital. Uh, recently I picked up like the first issue of the maestro book that Peter David's writing. Hmm. Oh, um, yeah. Because I'm a fan of Peter David's Hulk run. So I uh, got to admit, was not really impressed with the first issue. Uh, and I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll dive into this. And I bought uh, the three Jokers. And it seems like after Jeff Johns wanted to rewrite Watchmen, now he wants to rewrite Killing Joke. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and uh, art's beautiful. Jason Fabok, my God, that man can draw the DC Universe. Uh, but when I read, I usually read digital. Uh, most of the stuff I read now, I read for podcasts. Uh, I have been buying certain books that I own digitally just for the convenience of it. Plus, uh, I have found that 
getting like like for from crisis to crisis for example if i have the book digitally i can just screenshot the pages instead of having to scan the book <laughs> it's a lot quicker and, there and it's just, <laughs> that has come in handy sometimes that is so much more convenient uh but also there's there's this like thing like like i own all those books so now i can collect them again and 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 feel that but i always buy them cheap i hardly ever pay for full price for the books uh and what i'm reading now oddly enough uh as as we've we've ramped fctc back up again uh, i've been reading like the books that came out around the same time uh or the same month that the superman books were covering so i binged to catch up the first 25 18 or so issues of the aquaman series from the 90s Mm. uh and i'm reading uh chuck dixon's green arrow run for the first time Uh, i'm reading hitman for the first time uh and i'm rereading other books and that has been both awesome and there is a point though that i just lose interest entirely like (laughs) like i was just like okay i'm gonna read the john byrne wonder woman and i got through like the first big storyline and i'm like wow he liked words in this story in this series and it's just a slog and i i realized something in all of this too uh there are characters i love that i have absolutely no desire to read every comic book appearance of them uh i i just don't have to i I can still say i love that character and and haven't read everything but kind of revisiting the kyle rayner green lantern has been fun Uh, and stuff like that but uh yeah man that that chuck dixon green arrow there is an issue where connor hawk uh, after ollie dies connor hawk takes over that he's protecting like this member of uh middle eastern royalty and they go to the house where this guy's hanging out and bruce lee and elvis are there (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) and they're still alive and they're guarding him. So you have Bruce Lee and Elvis fighting alongside Connor Hawk. And at one point, Connor looks at him and goes, are you guys, you know what? I don't even want to know. Um, <laughs> so there's stuff like that. Like, like I'm, I'm, I, I have discovered that as much as I can read like certain Silver Age books and there's Bronze Age books that I love. Man, my, y'all ever like see the trailer for the movie Hitch because I refuse to watch the movie. Um, there's a scene in the trailer where Will Smith is talking to uh, Kevin James and he's like, okay, this is your, this is your zone when he's teaching him to dance. Uh, the nineties, the late eighties and the nineties are my zone. Uh, that is where I feel at home. That is where I am happy. That is where I can always go back and know that I will feel satisfied. Like I'm not reading 2010 era books where I feel like I'm forcing myself to like it. And the storytelling techniques of the Silver Age are specific, uh, and but there's only certain people that I like to read. Uh, I, I, I don't like reading every Marvel book or every DC book. I can't stand reading Silver Age Green Lantern, but I can't get enough of Silver Age Flash. So it's, it's really weird where I'm finding not so much where my joy is, but where my home is mm, in terms right. of what I want to read. Makes perfect sense, man. Everyone's got a comfort zone. It's absolutely right. And uh, the fact that you found it and you're uh, living in it, that's the best way to do it. Um, I know I know you're trying not to say find your joy because you have to pay some royalty every time you say it. But uh, yeah. that is what's it's, – it's what you're doing and that's okay. 
I, uh, I, I do want to make it a quick amendment. When something, when a new comic comes out that I am interested in reading, you mentioned picking up like the three jokers and stuff like that. I just wait. Uh, till it's on Marvel Unlimited or DC Unlimited because they, you know, Marvel, it comes six months later, DC, it was a year, it's about to be six months. I'm like, you know, I can wait six months to read Three Jokers. I just don't care. And that's how I plan on reading it. So uh, I, I have done that with quite a few of the more recent books that I had a, a passing interest in. Well, this has been a fascinating exploration into our collecting. It went a lot longer than I thought it would. Uh, and, and I hope, Philip, I hope you got your, uh, your interest worth. And, uh, someday I want to hear, uh, Philip tell us more about his Firestorm Commission collection because it's unbelievable. But thank you so much for the suggestion. Why don't we let you guys tell everybody where they can find you? Tim, where, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, thank you, Shag. They can find me on the, the Huntress podcast, uh, dot com which is the home of two shows that I'm on with Astrid Wright of the Right On Network. He has the Batgirl Cassandra Kane podcast. And then, of course, there's my baby, The Outcasters, the Batman and the Outsiders podcast. So you can look us up there. Awesome. And thanks so much for joining us today, Tim. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. And, um, yeah, the check's in the mail. Perfect. Excellent. Uh, Michael Bailey, where can they find podcasting's Michael Bailey? <laughs> they can find my, podcasting's Michael Bailey at the Fortress of Bailey Tude uh, podcasting network, which is fortressofbaileytude.com. So about to celebrate its 13th birthday. Oh my gosh. Coming up in February. Wow. I've been, been doing this a long time. Uh, did you still, podcast with an abacus back in the day? Uh, <laughs> no, what I did is I recorded onto Windows Recorder. Uh, right. but I only do about a minute at a time, so I have to splice all that together. You used uh, Winamp to play yeah, it, it was, back. It, it really kicked the llama's ass. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, but uploading episodes took three days. So... <laughs> Especially mine. Um, Uphill, the, through the snow, both ways. But that's the home of From Crisis to Crisis and Overlook Dark Night and all my other shows uh, that I did not do with the Two True Freaks uh, are on that, uh, on the main feed. And, you know, it's it's just a more convenient way of doing things. Uh, though I did recently uh, dip my toe into having a separate Twitter account for one of the shows. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm what just kind of with... egomaniac would do that. I have no idea. <laughs> egomaniac or genius. It's a fine line. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, that, that, that's where I talk about funny books and stuff. In fact, there are a couple episodes of views from the long box where Paul Spataro and I talk about those fireside books. Oh, nice. Very nice. Well, Rob, this has been a fun journey for us. I, I've really enjoyed this. Uh, any, anything, any parting wisdom for the people at home about collecting uh, before we go? I just want to say screw you, Shag. I just want to get it in one last time before oh, we perfect. wrap up. Uh, no, this was a great suggestion. Uh, as a podcaster, I appreciate any show that I don't have to do research for. I can just talk. That's always good. Um, so thank you so much, Philip, for that suggestion. And uh, no, it's been it's been really cool. And I, I was Really thrilled to be able to talk to Mike and Tim about this stuff, and uh, it was uh, it was super fun. That's awesome. 
Well, folks, that's going to do it. Go out to our website, which is firewaterpodcast.com. Go up to the shows tab. Look for the Aquaman and Firestorm show. Look for this episode and leave your comments. We want to hear your answers to some of these same questions. Tell us about your collecting habits. We would love to have that and uh, have some conversation going on, on the website. So please do that. You can also find us on social media as Firewater Podcast Network on Twitter and on Facebook. I think that's going to do it. Uh, folks, until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave and sell your comics. Aquaman and Firestorm Fighting crime together Soak them down Or burn them up No one does it better Whenever you find trouble They'll always be there To catch them in a bubble Or even torch their hair They stand for truth and justice And see a land In air Aquaman and Firestorm They make a super pair Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever, yeah!